0: This one really fills out that next tier, right? Below the, you know, supposed big three, yeah. you know, and, 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 and I think really fills out where some of like the Microsoft products are trying to find an in between product or SAP trying to find some in between product. And these guys really nail it in that in between, just below enterprise level.
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. Infor LN has been the household name for many automotive and aerospace companies. If they can't relate with LN, they will definitely recognize Bond. At one point, when Bond won Boeing as their account, there was a prediction that Bond may be a clear threat to SAP. But unfortunately, running an ERP company requires more than just the technical prowess to handle the workload at the SAP levels. Bond would have been a tragic story but good for the product that it found its place in the financially capable hands of Infor. Infor LN has come a long way in its evolution and the cloud version offers several Infor products integrated with Infor OS. But where does it stand today in comparison to other similar products? In today's episode We invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of InforLN's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their strength in manufacturing complex products such as automotive and aerospace, along with how dates at the operational level are the crucial factor to determine the right fit for the ERP products. Finally, we discussed concepts such as handling units, pegging and global trade compliance that are absolutely essential for large companies to manage all aspects of their scheduling, such as service, production and procurement. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello everyone, welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution independently, and we always have a very exciting panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom. So for today, we are going to be reviewing the solution called N4LN, We have done multiple sessions on Infor. We have reviewed their corporate strategy. We have reviewed some of the other products. So, this is going to be very interesting as well because this is their core flagship enterprise uh, product. So, it's going to be a lot of fun. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. And I'm going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. We help our clients with ERP selection, ERP implementation, and any sort of ERP project recoveries. On that note, I am going to move to Dave for his intro.
3: Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler and I own an operations consulting business working with manufacturing leaders to help them systemize their business to achieve operational excellence. And I come to you with more than 20 years in operations management, implementing ERP and systemizing businesses. So thanks for having me, Sam.
2: Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Absolutely. Thank you, Sam.
4: My name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved with the ERP software for manufacturing, small to mid-sized manufacturing companies all over North America for about four decades. I'm, uh, I've worked with all over a thousand manufacturers, and uh, through my experience over the years, I've written a book that's published on that's uh, on Amazon on how to select the ERP software. So. Thank you for inviting me, Sam, and looking forward to the presentation.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys send your comments and questions. We typically try to cover them during the show. If we run out of time, our panelists will make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, I am going to start with the briefing for today's solution, and then uh, I would love to hear your commentary based on your experience as uh, Andy and Dave. So, Infor LN overall, if you look at the Infor product portfolio. But before that, a little recap based on our Infor session that we did. So, from the corporate strategy perspective, Infor is similar to AppTeen. They have very similar strategy as Appicore. They are trying to promote the purpose built ERP systems for the specific industries so in even though they have the purpose built strategy it's fairly similar to uh, other e- erp companies as well the only difference being within four at least that's what they claim that you are going to get far more functionality as part of the the package as opposed to some of the other erp systems or vanilla erp systems that we have in the market Apicore follows similar strategy. They try to cram as much as possible for the companies. Obviously, it's not going to be as much as, let's say, if you go for a pharma ERP mom and pop, then they are probably going to have far deeper compliance-related functionality, the quality-related functionality for that micro vertical. But in the case of Infor, they provide a lot more functionality overall, especially when you talk about the manufacturing verticals. That's where they are really strong at. From the technical architecture perspective, the way Infor started, the whole journey has been buying a lot of different ERP systems, consolidating them, and they have uh, you know, an iPaaS and, and everybody in the market that are more of the integrator as opposed to developer of ERP, they all have some sort of iPaaS layer that they use to be able to integrate all of these products, and that's how they are trying to uh, promote the the, the products. So Infor does the same app is fairly similar overall from the technical architecture perspective. And uh, in the case of Infor, there I the whole operating system that allows them to deliver all of these different products to different industries is going to be called Infor OS. So most of their products, whether you talk about LNM3, uh, Sightline or the SXE product, which is targeted for distribution, uh, they have some more products, but these are their major Product lines that they are trying to promote as part of their Cloud Suite bucket. So, Infor OS is going to be the layer that sort of integrates all of the products together. And they are trying to combine Cloud Suite based on some of the ERP offerings and then some of the best of breed options. Infor Allen, overall, from the product portfolio perspective, uh, is the enterprise product that is typically targeted for aerospace, automotive, the large ones. Okay. Industrial machinery, high tech electronics is are four or five different verticals uh, that they like to target. But if you compare Infor with SAP, it's a similar strategy they have. SAP has three uh, products, uh, Infor has a lot more uh, for specific industries. But Infor LN is their enterprise product, and it is going to be competing with other products such as, you know, QAD is very focused on manufacturing. QAD focuses on very large uh, companies. IFS is going to be another competitor that is going to be competing with Infor LN. The reason QAD competes with In4LN is going to be automotive space. Plex likes to compete with In4LN, but Plax is more focused on the Toyota ecosystem. 4LN has far deeper capabilities on the Honda ecosystem. Then you have IQMS. Uh, you know, IQMS also has very deep Honda capabilities. For aerospace in for ln as for deeper capabilities uh, for the aerospace. Now, if you compare the product lines, for example, let's say if you compare LN versus site line, uh, and Andy, we are going to have a little debate there overall. Uh, but one of the things that we noticed in case of Epicore, as well as some of the smaller products from SAP, okay, one of the things that we noticed is the date on the operation on a bar. Okay, that seems to be the differentiator on a lot of different products that are designed for complex products versus easy products to build manufacture and typically when i define easy that's probably going to be in terms of the timeline in and out okay so when you are going to see a product for a job shop typically their products are going to be built within one hour two hour three hour four hour five hour six hour eight hours okay they typically don't need the date their scheduling is not as complex as what you are going to see in the larger manufacturing shops. And that's why LN is slightly different. OK, you are actually going to see the dates. So sometimes, it, uh, you know, I find it very interesting because some of these smaller products have date on their operations as well. For example, we saw dates in case of SAP Business One. Again, if we talk about on-prem experience, <laughs> not the cloud experience, we saw dates in case of your API code as well. So they seem to be slightly stronger overall in terms of the project-driven manufacturing functionality. They will do far better overall in terms of the products that are going to be you know, building like an aircraft or the landing gear. There's no way in the hell you can build that in, in two hours. I would like to find a manufacturing company that can probably build a landing gear in two hours. That will be impressive. But overall, the, the amount of time that goes in building these complex manufacturing products that's where the real differentiator is whether you are a shop that is just building widgets that can that you can complete in 2 hours and those are going to be manufacturing products for example in 4csi epicor probably are uh, aligned there uh, you know some of the smaller vanilla product that can do manufacturing but they typically do uh, very widget centric manufacturing products but when you talk about the complex manufacturing aerospace automotive where we are uh, you are building complex devices that's where uh, in4ln comes really handy. So I'll pause there. That's for the briefing. Now I'm opening for any commentary. Well, for
4: dates, you're talking about uh, start and end date of the project or the uh, work order as well as the operations or routing steps within. Is that what you mean, Sam?
2: So the dates, it's not only for the project, okay? It's also for the the operations on a job. So let's say if you have a job shop, if you are going to go for something like Global Shop, you know they are not really designed for those complex products they are designed for very tiny weenie products that you are building so, of
4: so yeah so a piece of steel
2: yeah so you are definitely going to have very strong project based manufacturing in in all of these products that are going to be uh, you know from sap from microsoft infor ln does that uh, surprisingly enough epicor has that as well okay but you are also going to see dates on the operations so in case of infor ln they have referred all of these manufacturing jobs as, okay, job, shop, job, shop, job, or shop floor job, something like that. I mean, we are going to review that, okay? So they call the manufacturing job as the the job, and on that operation, you still have the dates uh, because the way scheduling works in these larger manufacturing shops, everything has to be aligned. The pegging has to be there of the operations. You know, when you talk about service order versus transfer order versus your manufacturer, so everything needs to be aligned. It can't be just okay, this is my shop floor scheduling and I don't care for the service scheduling. Okay, Absolutely you- <laughs> right.
4: No, you, you can't have you can't have shop scheduling in a complex environment unless you're not only estimating the dates of all the routing steps and operation steps, but actually tracking the actual dates of start and completion at all the steps. Uh what size of a company do you think LN is targeted at, Sam? Like how many
2: employees? So I think four likes to position it only for companies that are going to be more than hundred million dollar, I guess, or or probably more. Maybe uh, I don't think they will be positioning it for companies that are going to be uh, lower in revenue. I don't know. I have I don't never think seen so
4: either. I think you're right. I think it's more like about two fifty or larger.
2: Yeah. I- exactly. But the other comment that I would like to make about Ellen, Ellen has always been very. SAP look and feel product, okay. So when you look at the product, it's almost, and this is what is fascinating when you look at four products because everything is going to be rendered by your Info OS layer. So you are going to get that mingle feel, but underneath, if you look at all of these products, are going to feel very different. For example, the way your M3 works operationally, it's a very different product than your ban then your, uh, and which is going to be infor LN in this case, uh, then uh, you know all of the other products. So every products operate very different way. Meaning when, let's say, if you are comfortable on Sightline or you are comfortable on SXE product or you are comfortable on, on M3, you are still going to feel switch over when you are going to use LN because they don't follow the same architecture still. The only thing that is going to be consistent across these products is going to be that N4 OS layer, which is just the assembly and then you have uh, <laughs> sort of the TV broadcasted as part of your input. OS layer, So that's how these products are, uh, you know, architected uh, and designed. So now, in 4LN is going to have very similar feel as SAP because, you know, the product comes comes from Netherlands. That's where it was designed. So the way these screens are structured, and I'll show you some of those things, it has very, 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 very strong uh, SAP feel in the product. In fact, if you look at the user reviews, it is still very european non u s product okay so you are not going to find a lot of installations of l n inside the u s for some reason and and that's the trend that we have seen in case of s a p as well i mean s a p likes to win a lot more in europe uh you know south america that's where they've win a lot because that's where the complexity is uh overall from the financial regulation perspective from the
4: reporting perspective multi country i mean
2: it's not just multi-country. Some of the countries are extremely complex from the taxation perspective. For example, right. I was talking to a guy from Mexico yesterday. Okay, and he said you have no idea how complex taxation gets here. Okay, oh, you have to track every terrible. single product, and the government needs to know about every single transaction that you are selling. So that's how complex uh, countries such as Mexico gets, and that's the trend that you have in India, Brazil. These countries uh, require far more control on every single dollar that is moving. In your company and that erp implementation gets very complex us is far more liberal in general <laughs> <laughs> and here this is the history that we have and the product used to be called ban uh, that's what is mentioned here and this was uh, again goes back to 1978 so it's been there uh, for a while uh, and one of the events that we have in the ban ban history is there was a time when boeing actually installed BAN. okay that was a big deal because uh, when you talk about Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, they always go for SAP. It's very, very, very hard to pull off that kind of workload, SAP or Oracle. But, uh, you know, SAP is still very gold standard for these larger companies. And at one point of time, Barn actually replaced uh, SAP in Boeing. And that was a big deal, you know, because of the kind of you know, workload it could do. And everybody sort of felt that Bonn was a great product overall. But then they ran into a lot of financial difficulties uh, overall. And that's why, that's why, you know, Bond is where it is today. Technically, it was always very, very strong product in general. It's just that the management wasn't uh, as capable as an ERP company would probably require. So here, uh, you know, the statement says Bond became a real threat to market leader SAP after winning a large Boeing deal in 1994. It went IPO in 1995 and became a public-listed company in Amsterdam and U.S. NASDAQ. Several large consulting firms around the world partnered to implement uh, Bond 4 was one of the very famous uh, products that people still connect with and recognize. For multinational companies, it acquired several other software companies. But here's where uh, they started having a lot of trouble. The fall of the Bond company began in 1998. The management exaggerated company revenue by booking sales of software licenses, Oh my goodness. So, you know, classic and one story, I guess. <laughs> okay. So, Ban was sold at a price of probably what $700 million to Inventors. And there have been many different transactions. Finally, it landed in the hands, capable hands of Infor. And Infor was always very financially savvy because that's how they started. I mean, they were more of the investor than the software developer. So, obviously, they knew how to run a business. And that's where the uh, Ban product or the Infor, LN is still very successful uh, in general. Um, That's pretty much it for the history. Now, these are different versions that they have developed. Obviously, Infor has done a wonderful job uh, overall importing it over your Infor OS and providing the cloud capabilities that obviously you didn't have in in the case of one. So right now, we are looking at roughly what? Infor ERP LN 6.1. And it's uh, localized in many different languages because it's still installed in many different countries in Europe. And I have seen some countries that have never seen, you know, an ERP implementation. Typically, they would go for a very mom and pop solution in those countries because none of the mainstream ERP vendors really support them. For example, if you look at countries like Thailand, um, you know, Vietnam, Austria, these are the countries. Uh, it's going to be really hard to find an ERP solution, mainstream ERP solution that supports the taxation, the regulation of those countries. And typically, you are going to have an ERP vendor that is going to have 100 installations specializing just in that country. But InforLN has been installed in all of those countries. Okay, so that's pretty much it. Phil, I know you joined late. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? I know you missed it. Uh, yeah, we can we can have your introduction.
0: Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. Phil Kerper from Ringling Business Solutions. Okay. We help uh, executive leadership teams align their digital strategy with their core business plans and uh, come to you with a lot of background in ERP implementations and upgrades and looking forward to the conversation story I ran a little tardy tonight.
2: Okay. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. So I'm actually going to back to uh, our commentary. And this is how the Infor Cloud Suite uh, looks, especially for the LN product, if you go to Infor site, then they have different cloud suite. And cloud suite, meaning, you know, you, they are going to combine MRP, and they are going to be combining many different solutions. That's what they are calling it as the cloud suite. So in the case of Infor LN, you are going to get a lot more options overall in terms of the best of breed solutions that come as part of In for Cycline uh, or the CSI, which is sort of the mid-market solution, you might not have as many integrations, you might not have as many options. So this is really for InforLN. So InforLN is integrated with your Infor SCM. Okay, SCM is their supply chain management solution. So Phil, you are probably going to get kick out of it because this is what we are looking at things like, you know, if you look at Infor, sorry, SAP EWM. SAP EWM is the supply chain, uh, you know, completely separate supply chain management solution that has your TMS, WMS capabilities. Similarly, Infor SEM is going to have the whole network planning, uh, you know, the uh, the supply chain planning, multimodal planning, uh, all of that is going to be part of Infor SEM. So it's far a stronger product overall for those multinational companies when they have to design their supply chain networks and plan around that. So PSI does not have integration with uh, Infor SCM because probably smaller companies don't need that. Uh, and then you have the Infor WFM product, which is their HCM product. Now, this is slightly different overall, okay, in terms of capabilities. You are going to think, be thinking that, you know what, if I am, let's say, going for a specialized HCM solution, why am I not going for something like Success Factors or Workday, which are the name brand in the HCM space? And why Infor WFM? But when you look at, you know, companies such as your aerospace and uh, uh, your automotive, when you are going to have those unionized labor and they have very strict requirements in terms of how you are going to be reporting for all of those unions and how uh, you are going to be paying unionized labor, that's a very different process in general. That requires a lot of configuration development on top of your vanilla HCM. So WFM is going to be very specialized. For very specific micro verticals where you have the problems of unions and it typically is going to be stronger overall in terms of functionality than than the solution that you are going to get from Microsoft, SAP, Oracle or uh, or Worldpay. The info burst is similar. Uh, You might probably get some more analytics uh, compared to your mid-market solution that you have, uh, CSI, and uh, obviously SXC is the distribution product. So in four, verse is the same. CPQ is the complete same product. Okay, so it is the same product that comes with your mid-market solution, and LN has the same solution. They both are pre-integrated, so there is no difference as such. PLM discrete, you are probably not going to find that integration with your uh, CSI. That you are not going to find that part of the cloud suite window uh, If you need to get that, then probably you need to integrate it yourself, or you need to find an integrator who can integrate with you. So this is all, again, when it comes to LN's capabilities, it's far more integrated. It's provide, it provides far more, uh, you know, best of breed options than your mid-market solution. So that's the real differentiator between LN uh, and the mid-market solutions.
4: The Burst product is actually built in, it's part of the inforce OS stack. So most of the Infor products do have access to the Burst system as well.
0: Yep, agreed so the the scm and the plm functionality uh, i will i know we'll get to that on some later slides but uh, just on a high level how robust is that because those are two things that even the big enterprise systems if you're going to add that on t- takes takes quite a bit of extra expense and work to add those into a project
4: the scm the wfm and the plm systems are all add-ons they're all independent systems they can be sold standalone but they certainly do integrate very well to the uh, Ln product uh, they're very they're quite robust
0: it's impressive
2: so the SEM product that we have it's uh, they acquired a company called Nexus and Nexus was installed with massive massive companies uh, in terms of the supply chain so Infor, SEM has very deep capabilities overall in terms of that the, the global supply chain planning when you look at that so it's definitely very strong the PLM is very uh, again when you look at The PLM solution, every PLM solution is probably going to be specialized in specific industries because PLM processes vary, the products vary a lot. So this is going to be very well aligned with your automotive uh, PLM processes and and the aerospace, Uh, you know, you are going to find all of that and the quality. Is going to be sort of integrated as well because that's what you are getting with the infor os player you are going to get uh, the quality as part of your engineering you are going to get collaboration and then finally the quality is going to be inbuilt as part of your the erp itself the biggest gap that infor always had was the mes solution okay even though it was really strong in everything else mes was a gap okay that's what they did with the acquisition of lighthouse that's what they had to fill, uh, and Lighthouse is going to be a far stronger uh, MES solution overall, and that's where companies are going to get uh, much deeper Industry 4.0 capabilities. If you look at companies like Ap- Apicor, Plax, they had a far stronger MES solution that Info never had. Uh, Absolutely Info, agreed. Yeah.
4: I'm not sure how much the Lighthouse product is really rolled out yet. Sam, are you familiar? Yeah.
2: No, I have not seen any news uh, announcement. I'm pretty sure they are integrating at this point of time. And yeah, that integration that is going perfect. to be very thick overall. But I'm very excited with that integration. Uh, obviously, the MES uh, offering looks really slick. Okay. Lighthouse was really strong overall in terms of capabilities. And once that is going to be pre integrated within 4OS, um, it's going to be overall, the offering is going to be very strong. Everyone talks about Industry 4.0 these days. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, so some of the capabilities that I really wanted to highlight, and this is the, I try to make them bigger, to be honest, this time. Hopefully you guys can see it. And Phil, if you don't know, you can actually full screen. So I don't know if you are typically on full screen, but there is an option in a stream to do full screen as well so that you guys can see it comfortably. Uh, yep, but I'm this all is, set
0: on that, Sam. Thank you.
2: Thank you. So this is how the, the Gantt view is going to look from the project perspective. By the way, uh, Andy, this is what I was talking about. The GSC uh, Gantt chart. So this is really for the job shop. And these are your orders and operations that have the start date, end date. And you can move around these things. You can really do the pegging that you are going to get with SAP. Again, uh, LN is a very SAP look-alike product. Okay, Everything that LN does is very SAP centric. Obviously, you are not going to pay as much as SAP. SAP gets very expensive. I don't know, you know, what is the price point of LN. (laughs) These days, probably they are comparable. Uh, But maybe you are going to get far more functionality as part of N4LN than SAP. But overall, you will get, when you look at N4LN product, it has very uh, strong SAP feel. I don't get that feel when I look at the mid-market product. They appear very, very, very different, even though both of them are, uh, you know, Source using the same technology architecture in 4OS, but the products are completely different. Okay, so this is the configurator that we saw in case of CSI. So it's the same configurator, which is the advantage, okay? Whether you are a mid-market company or a large company, both of them get the same configurator. We saw this in case of Apicor. Apicor had really weak configurator. You know, you could not see as you apply the changes. And as it has shown in the screenshot, it's the large piece of machinery. And that this is where Info really shines and in 4ln shines even more. in 4ln is really designed for very complex long-standing products for which the manufacturing is going to go for multiple days multiple weeks multiple months or maybe years (laughs) okay because to build this kind of machine when i went for some of the customers who were building these machines the, the total time to build these machines were like what sometimes six months 12 months sometimes two years that's how long uh, it took to build some of these machines. So that is the the length of the transaction that we are talking about. Overall, from your engineering processes to your design, then manufacturing, and then servicing. And that's where LN is going to be a really great fit. Okay, so this is the view of there. This is going to be for the way their code screen is structured. And this is a similar feel. That we have in the case of SAP, where on the code you could actually have, let's say you want to have the total line, the way your invoice is going to appear. Let's say you are going to have your subtotal. You want to hide one line, uh, you know, disable one, one line. Those capabilities are, uh, you know, part of your Info LN. Typically, we see those in the case of your SAP, when you have to sort of, you know, configure your code and uh, uh, configure the formatting. And obviously, that cannot impact your forecasting, that cannot impact your production. You know, it is really at the code level how you want to show it to the customer uh, so that, you know, you can do all of that. Plus, uh, you can handle your costing production or whatever uh, is driven from from this bomb. So all of those capabilities seem to be there overall with, within 4LN. Now, when you look at the screens, the way they are designed, it's very SAP feel. For example, let's say if you are going to get different contract, you know, you are going to get multiple change on each of the contracts. Now, those changes need to be part of your operational process, financial process that need to be tracked. You need to know which change you are working on, how many changes have been done, how many payments have been done, how many milestones have you completed. Now, that's a very, very, very involved manufacturing process as opposed to doing something like, okay, I'm building an automotive part, takes two uh, hours for me to be able to uh, build it. I have four operations, boom, the part is done. Okay, (laughs) the order is closed in one day. That's a very different manufacturing process than this kind of manufacturing process where it's going to be very long standing. Okay, this is how their project structure look. And this is what is going to be really helpful for companies that have very project-centric manufacturing. And as part of your project management, you are going to have everything starting from your engineering to your, uh, you know, production and the project management itself. Then the estimation and bid and how you are going to be uh, accounting towards, you know, the contract that you might have with these guys. Uh, and then finally, procurement and, and then service. So all of that is going to be part of one project. You are going to get your your cost. And Phil is going to be so happy looking at this because he needs to know, uh, you know, how much you have invested in a project at any point of time so that he can uh, track the cost. Uh, if you guys have any comment, I can take those. Just like you say,
0: very robust.
2: Exactly. Now, this is the project schedule, and this is how I personally like to see project schedule if I'm a very project-centric company. To be honest, if I'm in the aerospace, I probably want this. The way the scheduling is done, and by the way, that sc- scheduling includes every single aspect of the project, which includes your manufacturing. Now, manufacturing systems can never do this. Okay, Some of the smaller systems such as Microsoft, uh, Business Central have these capabilities because they are targeted more towards uh, the project management organization, but they are going to really struggle on the deep core manufacturing capabilities. The manufacturing systems have very deep manufacturing capabilities, but they struggle with the project-centric capabilities. And this is where these larger systems really shine because they are going to have everything, even though Everybody in the market is screaming, "What can you do? I can do everything. okay, engineer to order, project manufacturing. Make two stock, make to, to orders. No. No. okay? all of those systems are going to be really, really inefficient in managing all of those processes. The only system that can manage all of these manufacturing types are going to be really the large system they are designed. okay but Now Sam,
4: all the other ERPs always have a list of different of industries they target and it's every industry from A to Z though. In in the US, I am bilingual.
2: (laughs) Yep, yep, you are right. You are definitely (laughs) right. (laughs) Okay, so this is the resource management view. And especially for aerospace and automotive, this is going to be absolutely critical. Okay, the majority of the manufacturing systems cannot do resource management, and they really struggle with that. So there are only few systems that can do the skill-based resource management and allowing that skill set to be scheduled as part of your scheduling component that either you are scheduling services or you are scheduling your production or whatever you are scheduling. All of those are equally important. When you talk about scheduling, manufacturing community, the only thing they talk about is the production floor scheduling. But the other things are equally important. If the parts are not going to be on the production floor at the right time, you know, your scheduling is not going to work anyways. <laughs> So each of those scheduling component and the skill metrics that you might be using across your organization, all of them are equally important. And this is where systems like Infor LN really shines because you can literally, you know, track their calendars. Uh, you can track them on the map, and you can include them, and then the system is going to tell you whether you have the enough availability or not, considering all of the constraints that are built as part of the system.
0: Yeah, this one I really like, Sam. It's a, it's an excellent way to break silos down. Because typically the engineering, the technical resources, drafting resources, those are being managed separately by a, 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 a different person, maybe on spreadsheets, maybe what have you. And this puts everybody on a common platform to see where the bottlenecks of a project really are and then can work around, work together to say, OK, it's not just the director of engineering saying it's a million hours of engineering. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. And you have the complete cost element in terms of who is basically you know causing delays. So you can you have the end to end traceability and again that's what Phil likes
3: hey Sam we got a a good comment from uh from one of the viewers can't see who it is, but he's asking uh for this particular product how how well would it fit in a commercial construction environment like skyscrapers dams or bridges and then just goes on to ask or or does that type of construction have significantly different requirements you have any experience?
2: So construction is a very different beast in general. So I would be a little careful, uh, you know, in positioning this product for construction, even though if you go to N4, they might say that, you know what, Uh, you know, it's going to be okay. In fact, I think they like to position M3 as part of their construction, you know, software, but they are not going to be as strong on the operational aspect of the construction. And the operational aspect of the construction is very different the way the construction jobs are going to be. So N4, LN is not really designed. For that, you are going to have packages such as Procore. They actually do far better job overall in managing the operational aspect of the construction, where you are going to have multiple, uh, you know, the the GCs, uh, general contractors, and you are going to have your subcons. So the way their relationships are managed, the way their RFP collaboration, the submittal process works, you don't have that in case of your aerospace. Aerospace submittal process and the compliance process is very different from your construction. In the case of construction, even the sales forecasting is very different, okay? Sometimes you are competing using multiple channels, using multiple opportunities. So you are going to be double counting those opportunities. And if the product is not really going to be designed for your construction, your sales forecasting is not going to work. So again, the construction is a very different beast. So if you are in the construction space, try to find a product that is going to be designed for construction if you are very heavy in manufacturing, and sometimes you need to Make your mind in terms of what you want to do, because sometimes the business is going to be so complex that they, they require everything. So you need to figure out, OK, are you more of the construction business or the manufacturing business? And based on that, you're going to decide which ERP system is going to be a better fit for you. Yeah. The, oh, sorry. Go ahead,
4: Dave.
3: No, I, I was just going to add to that. Great place to start looking is, is going to be the white papers and or their their customer case studies yep. uh, as you're looking at some of these solutions. So I just wanted to add that in there. What were you going to say, Andy?
4: Well, construction can—it's like every other industry target. Construction can be very, very wide and diverse, from you know building homes, townhomes, et cetera. But um, you know, uh, Sam mentioned Procore, which of course is designed specifically for that market. But uh, I think that if you asked the folks at Infor about LN, they would tell you it would be okay for structural fabricators. Uh, there's probably some limitations, but I and, and there'll be overlap with these other construction type systems. But for uh, a fabricator, it's probably going to be okay.
0: Yeah, I think anyway, the distinction Sam made: are you are you acting as the GC? Are you acting as a sub? Are you doing multiple projects? That level of complexity is also really important to ferret out. Absolutely, if you're, you're going to move to something like Procore versus versus this.
2: All right, guys. So some more slides. Uh, we'll get to them. Um, so here some of the things that, you know, again, Phil, you are probably going to like this because he, you have things like handling unit. OK, and handling unit is going to be very important for the global organization, the way it works. OK, so, for example, let's say if you are just one side, um, you know, you don't have your goods moving from one side to the next. You don't you are not necessarily tracking your logistics. So the majority of these smaller systems, they typically end as soon as the good leaves your warehouse. You know, they don't have to worry about the overall supply chain planning. But handling unit is going to be handy because you need to track, okay, whatever is going on truck, you need to define that configuration. So, for example, let's say if you are going to compare this with your sideline product, then you are going to see uh, things like container, okay? You might see delivery order, but handling unit is a very different functionality, okay? When you are automotive and when you are sending that, uh, you know, and I don't know, maybe you guys can coach me on this. I don't know what you call that, the truck uh, that takes, let's say, the... 20 or 50 cars, uh, you know, I don't know what you call that. Is that an automotive truck or is there a name for that? Um, now, when you have to package that, then then you have to have something. And that is what is called handling unit. Uh, Dave, you have a comment there.
3: Can I answer your question? Is that a yeah? car carrier? I believe you Car you're, carrier, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Technical term.
2: Yep. Andy, you had a comment as well?
3: No, I was going to say the same as Dave, but that's fine. Thanks.
2: Okay, car carrier. Okay, so when you are uh, really defining the car carrier, you need to know that, okay, if you are going to be scanning just the car carrier, are you able to scan all of those products that are going to be part of that handling unit? And that's the purpose of the handling unit. It could be a very small palette, but the whole idea of handling unit is going to be, number one, you are going to have parent-child relationship. Number two, you are going to have the serialized number that can be used to to track your entire supply chain. It could be as small as a pallet or it could be as big as a truck, uh, depending upon how you wanna define that, right? Um, so that's where the real differentiator is. Now, you are going to find this functionality, again, in some products such as CSI. My CSI reseller is going to say that, you know what, I have my serialized unit that can work as the handling unit. No, that's not how handling units are supposed to be designed. Handling unit has very specific role to play in the supply chain and most of the manufacturing systems are not really designed for that uh you know what is that called the multi-site supply chain planning they are not really as good at that
3: um, hey, hey, sam i have a question how have you seen any of these uh especially like i'm curious on the larger um you know solutions like ln how have you seen uh, especially when it comes to like that handling unit how does that integrate with rfid or does it integrate with rfid at all if you were to implement that you know with, within either a package or kind of within that handling unit i'm just curious if you had any experience with that
2: so i don't know if infor or any other products are probably going to provide any uh, out of the box capabilities to handle rfid maybe there is an add-on uh, you know and these add-ons are really easy to build to be honest as long as you have the hierarchy supported as part of your ERP system, you could have just one field that is going to be at the handling unit level. That's going to be a custom field, and that is going to keep your RFID, as long as you don't have one to end relationship. The problem starts happening when you don't have that one to end relationship supported by your ERP system. For example, let's say if you require your lot-level traceability, but if the ERP system does not support that, let's say if they have just the item-level uh, you know, traceability, then you are going to be making a lot of shortcuts. <laughs> okay. And the system is not going to work. So that one-to-one relationship is very important overall. Uh, but as long as so in this particular case, let's say you have RFID, assign RFID to each of the handling units and as opposed to using your serial number, you could use your RFID number. And that could work as well. So it's not a very difficult implementation.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah look at it. I look at that as a as just a another version of a scanner, right? Exactly. So another way to get information into the ERP, there'll, there'll be something, there'll be Honeywell or someone out there that'll sell you, sell you the device and sell you the software and the integration on that. From what I've seen, are relatively straightforward.
2: Exactly, but let's say if you don't have handheld unit support, as part of your ERP system, you have a real trouble there. <laughs> so make sure the way your transactions are organized, the uh, data model can support all of those transactions. Uh, you know, a lot of smaller ERP systems might not be able to do that. Now, when you look at consignment handling, you know, that comes out of the box. You look at global uh, trade compliance and sometimes you'd be wondering why the hell do you need global trade compliance? Okay, (laughs) The, the usefulness of that is going to be when you are going to be selling in multiple countries, Sometimes you are going to have weird rules that, no, 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 you are not supposed to be importing this, this specific item. And each country is going to give you a catalog, what you can import, what you cannot import, or what you can export, right? So now that becomes a very involved functionality overall. And sometimes they might require you to report in terms of what you are importing and exporting. So that becomes very complex reporting functionality. That needs to be supported as part of your ERP system. We have seen this in case of QAD, and the reason why QAD has this because QAD is also positioned for automotive industry, electronics industry, and that's where you have these problems where you are going to have real global uh, trade compliance uh, capabilities uh, that you are going to require. You also have the mobile capabilities, and again, this mobile capabilities may be perceived as similar to your construction, where you are going to a site and you are getting a signature for uh, you know uh, based on your supervisor, or uh, I, I'm again missing the term uh, of the guy, foreman? No, foreman, right? For the Yeah, foreman,
0: supervisor, same thing. Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: So, yeah, so if you have that, then obviously LN is going to support that. Sometimes people are going to be thinking that this is a very construction specific functionality, but this is going to be really relevant for the service orders that you are serving in automotive aerospace. That's where it is going to be really relevant. Now, this is where the difference is overall in LN versus other products that you are going to see from and forward. So this is your uh, slightly more QAD experience. If you remember, uh, you know the way you are going to be configuring your screen. In my mind, I mean this is a very Salesforce experience as well. Uh, you know the way the the way you can customize your list views, the way you can customize your screen. This is far easier than opening up the whole .NET uh, framework. That's what you will see with the other applications that are built on top of your Mongo's framework. I don't know if LN. Uh, it's completely ported on Mongoose framework. Uh, that is their go-to sort of technical solution for Info OS. So I don't know how much LN has been ported, but it looks very different overall uh, from the technical architecture perspective, the way the product is designed. So it's not going to be the same experience. Let's say if you're moving from your CSI or SXE to your LN or M3 to LN, it's going to be a very different experience overall. Now, this is the business partner functionality that SAP was always known for. Okay, business partner was one of the uh you know sweetest functionality that you can find and you had to struggle a lot overall because typically in the organization your customer-centric processes were completely different from your vendor-centric processes but when you look at the larger organization a customer could be a supplier as well and you need that functionality built as part of your erp systems a lot of erp systems out there don't support that and even the smaller companies nowadays probably need that if you don't have that you are going to have you are probably going to have a two different instances and then you are going to have a lot of trouble overall from the finance perspective. This is the overall, the warehouse location and the handling unit functionality. Again, that that is very involved uh, because it is considering a lot of different factors in your scheduling. This is going to be how much space you have in each of the warehouse, how much space this handling unit is going to take. So you have the square footage of that. And then finally, it is also going to be the distance that each of the trips are going to take during your service order. So the scheduling factors and everything including your real estate, distance, map, (laughs) so many different things. And that's how strong your scheduling component is going to be when you are looking at slightly bigger solutions such as LN. This is the, again, I love handling units, okay? Uh, These smaller systems don't have handling units, unfortunately, because this is the play for supply chain, to be honest, okay? This is where supply chain really comes uh, to life, because, you know, you talk about tracking these, Things inside the warehouse, how many, how much capacity do you have at this point of time? Whether you can track that, right? And how the goods are moving from one warehouse to the other warehouse. And again, supply chain is where the real trouble is going to be overall from the ERP perspective. And when you are, let's say, four or five sites, uh, you know, supply with supply chain, you can make a lot of money if you do it right. Okay. So you have some more, uh, you know, things such as I mentioned. For example, let's say distance is what it is considering as part of the computation when it is going to be computing the scheduling for the resources, when you are going to have all of those service orders that are being scheduled. So everything is considered, including your distance on the map. Uh, that's going to be your uh, the the warehouse capacity from the handling unit perspective. So that's where the real differentiator is. The smaller ERPs, they are going to have a little bit of scheduling, but they are not going to have all of these variables that are going to be factored in because they don't have data to be able to uh, really make the scheduling strong. Uh, and even if you have this, most people will not be able to figure out how to use this because obviously you require far deeper consulting expertise to be able to set this up. So yeah, I mean, if you really are strong on the scheduling and serious about scheduling, you have to hire really good consultants who really know how to set this up. And by the way, this is the piece. And again, when I look at the project-centric manufacturing systems, you know, my perspective always is going to be that they are not going to be as strong with the manufacturing they are going to have problems with their bomb so i was paying really deep attention to how their bombs were structured in case of ethicore we saw that your materials and and your operations were completely different the way their um, you know bombs look here you have the close affiliation of the operations with your with your material so you are not going to get as many problems as you are going to get with some of the assembly-centric, you know, ERP, even though they might be stronger in the project manufacturing, but they might might not be as strong with the real manufacturing that is happening on the shop floor. So this is where LN is really good. It can do both uh, the engineer-to-order uh, as well as the project-centric manufacturing. This is the the compliance one that I was talking about, and you have the license ID, and this functionality gets very involved overall. You need to get license ID from, I don't know whether this is from the state authority or whatever, but each of the transaction needs to have the license ID and you need to make sure that you are compliant with the laws of that country if you are importing or exporting. Now, that's a very, very, very deep functionality. If you are a global organization, you probably need that or you are going to be hiring 50 people just to compute this and report. (laughs) Good luck with that. So it gets really involved overall. And this is the load plan GAN chart. And I absolutely love this. Because this is going to be your logistics that you are planning and you have a real view. You can move around. Uh, Again, in these smaller ERP systems, you just don't have that because they don't have the underlying data of the handling unit for them to be able to produce this. So it's very, very, very hard for them to be able to do the supply chain planning as well as the logistics planning. You are going to find only that in, in the bigger systems.
0: Say, Sam, did you find any advanced shipping notification
2: functionality in this?
0: I mean, they're really strong on the supply chain. Was kind of looking to see if they if they had ASN capa- capabilities.
2: That's going to be really baby functionality, in my opinion, Phil. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, they probably have the vendor collaboration as well. I don't recall, but I think they can do vendor collaboration. They have vendor collaboration as part of their M3 product built as part of the product. I can almost guarantee that they are probably going to have uh, as part of your LN as well. Right.
0: You, you would think, with because these are like you say, these are more robust. You would think they would have. That ability to get to get into ACN and to get into really managing the entire flow of their goods. Exactly,
2: exactly. All right, guys. So commentary.
0: Well,
4: you you already discussed Infor's. Oh, pardon me, uh, LN's uh, history, Sam. And yeah, it, it originated in the Netherlands. I remember when it first came over to North America, and it was pretty big news. Boeing was definitely one of their flagship projects back in '94, but. And to, and since then, Boeing has migrated to something else. But over the last three, four years, I think. Um, but some of their other big name clients are Heineken, Ferrari, Bausch and Lomb. Like they're they're a serious player. They're, they've they got to some serious traction in the industry.
0: Phil, Dave, I was going to say that this one really fills out that next tier. Right. Uh, you know, be, be below the, you know, supposed big three. Yeah you know and 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 I think really fills out where some of like the Microsoft products are trying to find an in between product you know or SAP trying to find some in between product and these guys really nail it in that in between just below enterprise level and um it's 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 impressive software i i i still try to figure out on this particular one and maybe you covered it in the opening of you know where really the holes are with these guys, you know, where 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 are they still a little bit lacking that if I'm a customer, I'm looking at them and I'm in manufacturing, it's some of some of their real strengths, supply chain, where when would I say, okay, that's my lane for me as a client, versus me saying, no, nah, I really need to get more. And I found that it's in um, you know, whether you really want human resources, where you really need supply chain, whether you really need you know some of the more complex processes PLM I, we mentioned earlier, but I'm interested in the other people's opinion. You know where are the kind of the holes where you would say, okay, this isn't quite robust enough. I need to look for more.
4: Well, some of those functionalities, as we discussed, like you're saying, like the PLM or the uh, uh, the, the other functions you were talking about, are, are other products within the Infor portfolio, mm-hmm. and they do at certain levels, integrate with each other. So it, it can become, I, I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but I, I mean, I don't think this would be ever considered in a retail environment.
2: No, no, it's definitely not a right fit.
0: Yep, and you hit construction, I thought, with a really good explanation yeah. on that, you know, if you're really trying to manage out, outwardly like that.
2: So, Phil, I will help you with the answer, uh, if that might help. Um, so I would probably not position this with the public companies, uh, because they are going to require far deeper financial capabilities. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, when you talk about the financial traceability, you have financial traceability as part of your business run product. Okay, <laughs> you don't have that in, in uh, all of this. So it could become really hard when you have the transactions flowing. And so manufacturing, operation, supply chain is going to be great. Okay, but when it comes to the real finance finance, okay, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be really hard. To do that in uh, something like LN, if you are a very global organization, and I think they are trying to build that, it's much better than your AppCore in 4 CSI, but still, uh, it's not SAP.
0: Yeah, I was thinking is it when you really have a diverse global organization, yeah, you know, and that's where you know uh, companies like SAP just are built for that. And the financial comment is a really good comment. That's helpful.
3: No, all all really good commentary from my standpoint. You guys are covering a lot of the high points that we typically uh cover on on these sessions. Um one thing that didn't really come up, Sam, but with kind of the genesis of, of how this has come to be, I'm curious to get your take on the uh you know the functionality from from the cloud perspective uh as compared to you know what the original solution uh started out being.
2: Yeah, so I guess, I mean, it's a very legacy product. Obviously, it was built in 1978. So again, when you are carrying 20 different products, even today, it's going to be really hard to re-architect everything because obviously it's a very complex product. And then you have to manage your existing customers as well as put them on 4OS because you are trying to present as if you are one product. You are not. <laughs> okay, you have many different products underneath. So obviously, you need to please all of that. So right now, if you look at uh, the functionality, for example, let's say if we compare this with Apicode Kinetic, Apicode Kinetic is way ahead, even though they started very late in the cloud native game, right? So even though it is going to be served in the cloud, the cloud nativeness is not there compared to (laughs) some of the other products. They are probably going to be slightly superior.
0: Yeah, I figured you go there too, just looking at the screens, right?
3: Yep. I, I'm curious to take, I, I I kind of figured the same, but I wanted to, I was really setting you up for another question. So I'm <laughs> yeah. curious though, because, because we talk about this on, on most of these sessions. So I'm curious, maybe how can, how can somebody that is evaluating these different systems, how can they include that cloud functionality kind of preparedness in their determination of, of, you know, what's going to be the best product for them moving forward? I'm curious if you have any kind of input on on how somebody can go about comparing because all of these solutions, to your point, present as though that functionality appears across all releases of their product, if you will. Are, Are there some things that you look at when you're looking at these solutions to know?
2: So, honestly speaking, in my opinion, you'll be lucky if you can find that, to be honest. I miss on a daily basis because that's how difficult it gets to find out, okay, what is cloud native and what is, you literally need to look at the code to be able to find that. Uh, (laughs) So, again, it's very, very, very hard to find the cloud nativeness. And if you're looking for that, you probably require an expert. Otherwise, you are most likely going to miss it. Uh, And the vendors are, they are all saying they are all cloud native, you know? (laughs) So it gets really confusing.
0: Well, and a related one is the functionality. You know a bait and switch thing yeah. that happens throughout these you know where that they'll talk about functionality that's in their legacy or in their on-prem systems and it hasn't quite been moved to the cloud and the next thing you know you're in a conversation about their product roadmap which is a waste of your time well, so yeah. you know it, it really i think i think the other side of that answer dave is to and sam's taught us this all you know over and over again Find out what's most important functionality, what really matters to you, and dig deep to say: Is the product I'm buying, if it's cloud product, does that functionality exist? The cloud native thing may or may not be as important, Sam, than than that you're really getting what you think you're buying out of the cloud product that they're selling you.
3: I guess that's kind of my point, Phil. Is how can how as a consumer, as as somebody that's going to be going through that evaluation stage. How can you narrow into that? Because yes, I agree. You have to focus on what the business process is to begin with. But what I was really trying to get at is how do you wade through the sales speak to make sure, you know, because that's one thing I don't think we, we really cover on these sessions. How do you wade through some of that, at least at a high level without, you know, obviously engaging somebody to help you in that process is part of it but are, there's got to be some sure other things possible, to keep. Dave. What's that, Andy?
4: I said, I'm not sure if it's possible. I mean, even with an expert like Sam or somebody like that, they, they still have tricks up their sleeve, and they can still make it look like it does when it doesn't. You know, that's the that's the whole thing about the whole industry, ERP industry, Yep. right from the smallest systems we've evaluated to, uh, to the SAPs in the world.
0: But I do think one thing, and I just picked on product roadmap, so I'll come back and talk about it a little bit, they're how aggressive they are of of moving things to their cloud pat- platform that they're trying to sell you. What they've been doing, what their quarterly update looks like, yeah. what they what they what investments they're really making, I think is a good tell that they're wherever they're at on the journey. At least they're continuing to make that investment to get as much functionality to the cloud as possible. Whereas if you look at that and what they've put up on their cloud product is very rudimentary and not that robust the, the last year, chance of it being much better moving forward is probably not great. Cause like to Andy's point, you're going to miss, you're going to think you got some functionality and all of a sudden you're going to learn after, well, okay, well, that's not really what it.
4: But how, how do you know about their true R and D investment unless they're a public company, Phil?
0: Well, I mean, they they will show it off, you know. That especially if they're if they're if they're, if they're investing in a SaaS product, they're going to show off their quarterly updates and tell you all the great functionality they just added last year, you know. And they, so you can. And, and again, it still comes down to asking really good questions. You no, know? and I've always, and and I I think the other thing too is the faster you can get less sales guys on the call and say, I want to meet my implementation team. And then I are say, well, we don't know who that is because we can't really schedule them because you haven't really committed. And then you say, I'm
2: not listening to you. I want to meet my implementation team. <laughs> yeah, you better keep and ending up. It to the Phil actually, yeah. Phil actually <laughs> provided that. your yeah. answer, Dave. Phil, Phil provided your answer. Okay. So what he's trying to say is if you actually pay attention to the roadmap, you are going to find what you are releasing on a quarterly basis. Now, if you ask roadmap from Infor, you are not going to find. Now, my question is going to be, Infor, are you a real cloud company? If you are a real cloud company, then you will have roadmap published everywhere. Uh, SAP has that. Acumatica has that. NetSuite has Mm -hmm. that. The real cloud companies have their roadmap published. Yes, Infor is going to say we are continuous development shop, and we are publishing code on a daily basis. That's how aggressive we are. But we still need to see what your roadmap is and where that
4: is. Well, the Infor does publish their roadmaps. It's just they're only 18 months into the future, maybe 12 months into the future.
0: So I have one more question for Andy. I know we're out of time, but but Andy, I thought Zed was the head guy in Men in Black.
2: So I'm a little confused <laughs>
0: on,
2: on, on that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yes, guys, so we, we need to are. close. I mean, we are out of time right now. We can take some more short comments. I know you guys want to have fun and until 7 o'clock, but unfortunately, we don't have time for that. <laughs> any any more short comments? So that's it today. And uh, again, if you are the automotive and the aerospace uh, and the complex manufacturing shop that requires deeper supply chain, deeper manufacturing capabilities, that's where N4LN really shines. So make sure you at least review the solution when you are uh, evaluating your Next ERP. On that note, thanks everybody for joining. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5 30 PM Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. So make sure you guys are going to be here uh, next week. We are going to come back with another vendor or the or the solution. On that note, thanks again everyone for your time and insights tonight. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, thanks everybody. Thanks. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler Club. It's T H E C R Y S L E R dot C L U B. If you want to learn more about Andy Pratico, head over to esoft dot com. It's E S S O F T dot com. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Paul Briggle, who shares his insights into the operational challenges and quick fixes to deliver desired KPIs for a chemical company. Also the interview with Bahadir Ardem, who shares his insights into the supply chain issues and the processes for construction, building material and roofing industries. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments, about the show please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or dm me on any social channels i'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help thank you and i hope to catch you on the next episode of the wbs
1: podcast thank you for listening to another episode of the wbs podcast